0: I'm going to take you somewhere completely different now. Um, I don't know how this is going to land, but I should probably, for context, tell our listeners that um, it was recently my birthday and Tom presented me with a gift today, in fact, that uh, caused me to sort of drop my original third item Um, In favour of this. So it's a beautiful book, actually. I'm I'm a little bit of a sucker for a beautiful book. It's a hardback and it's called The Golden Mole and Other Living Treasure by Catherine Rundell, illustrations by Talia Baldwin. Um, And um, just uh, reading the blurb on the back, it says, The world is more astonishing, more miraculous, and more wonderful than our wildest imaginings. In this passionately persuasive and sharply funny book Catherine Rundell tells us how and why a lavishly illustrated collection of the lives of some of the earth's most astounding animals the golden mole is a chance to be awestruck and love struck to reckon with the beauty of the world, its fragility and its strangeness um, now this, is, this was sort of a bit out of left field for you Tom because you've bought me some really interesting books over the years, you bought me Barack Obama's one of his sort of first books and uh, usually, sort of. There's usually some kind of. It's either education related <laughs> yes. or, or political. Um, so this one sort of really struck me. Bit left field. I just saw the reviews. They looked interesting. I have no idea what the book's like. Yeah. Well, it it <laughs> it, it takes. It's it, the chapters sort of take a creature at a time. You know, it's got the wombat. It's got the golden mole. The Greenland shark. It reminds me a little bit um, of. Um, oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. But you can remember that. Yeah, I I can remember it had beautiful, beautiful illustrations, um, and it was about uh, creatures. So I'll look forward to reading it. However, um, I I ought to give a spoiler alert because the first thing I did was to, because I I noted that the final chapter um, is entitled "The Human," so it takes all of these uh, sort of animal creatures one by one, and then comes finally to the human so this sort of piqued my interest so I turned to the back of the book so spoiler alert if you don't want to know the end of this book and you want to run out rush out and read it before listening to my bletherings then um then then do so um so, this caught my attention, and it's interesting because it, it, it starts with a sort of cautionary couple of paragraphs, which I'm going to come to at the end um, before moving on to a story which helps uh, serve as a bit of a metaphor for what uh, this author is trying to say with this book. So, I thought I'd tell you the story first, and I'm reading directly from the book now. It is a story about humans and our reckonings with treasure, the story of the Sibyl, I, th- I think it's Sibylline or Sibylline books. The books were a collection of oracular sayings written in Greek poetry in around 510 BCE. The tradition runs that an elderly sibyl, a prophetess, offered the last king of Rome the chance to buy nine books containing the prophecies of the world. The apparently true story of their purchase has been retold many hundreds of times so I'm going to tell you it as it is in the book here now. So there once was a great and flourishing city with feasts and hard work and citizens leading busy lives. One spring an old woman came to the city dressed in hard worn uh, cloth and strong shoes. She had with her nine books which contained all the wisdom and knowledge all the as yet untold secrets of the world. She would she said sell the nine books for the price of one large sack of gold the city's people found this both mildly hilarious and amorphously annoying this woman they said had very little sense of economics or value of gold itself and they suggested she take her books and go as you wish she said but first she would burn three of the books she built a small fire um, in the square burnt three of the volumes in which all the secrets of the world were contained and went on her way with the smoke still in the air now I'm not going to read you the whole story, but in between, she comes back um, a couple more times and each time they don't really take her seriously. She ups the ante, asks for more money. um, And again, she burns the books. Okay, so we're dropping back into the story now when she's just got three books left. The old woman arrived with three books in her bag. They could have them, she said, for four sacks of gold. The townspeople, whose mathematical skills were impeccable, laughed uneasily. She couldn't be serious. The old woman asked for firewood. Wait, said the city's people. Perhaps it would be worth having a look at least. Leave the books with them. They could have a series of debates and consultations, and at some non specific point in the future, they would let her know if they agreed whether or not there was anything worthwhile in it. The old woman shook her head. If I could trouble you for that firewood? They refused to bring the firewood. You don't want the books. "'Not at that price. We can't afford it. You need to be realistic.' So the old woman shrugged. She gathered a heap of dried grass left over from haymaking, which had been poor that year, thrust two books into the centre and set them alight. They burnt fast. When she returned the following spring, the single book under her arm. The city's people were waiting for her. "'We know,' they said, eight sacks of gold. We've got it here. "'The price,' said the old woman, "'is sixteen sacks of gold.' "'said the populace. "'We've planned and costed for eight. Sixteen is cheap,' she said. "'You're being ridiculous.' "'The old woman looked at them with the full force of her eyebrows, "'and the wiser among the people shrank back. "'It is cheap. "'The book contains gold beyond all gold. "'It's been a hard year. "'We're struggling.' "'The old woman, who was collecting kindling "'at a surprisingly swift pace, said nothing. "'The citizens ran back to their homes and argued furiously, "'and in the end they gathered the gold.' They dragged sixteen sacks back to the woman's pile of sticks, which she had just topped with the last remaining book. They seized it with hunger and hope and desperation. The old woman nodded and uploaded the gold sacks onto two strong horses and turned to leave the city. It had better, they called back to her retreating back, be worth the price. Of course it is, said the old woman. Of course, it's astonishing. She reached the gates of the city. She spoke without turning round. You should have seen what was burned. And she left them alone with the one remaining fraction of all the wisdom and knowledge, all the secrets and undiscovered beauties that had once been in the world, to make what lasting good they could of it and to treasure what was left as best they might. Now, obviously, the moral to the story is very, very clear there, but this is what um, the author says before she goes into the story. The world is so rare and so wildly fine, populated with such strangeness and imperiled astonishments. Among them, human attention. Active, informed, sustained attention is perhaps one of the rarest and most powerful. So this book has been a wooing. It has been an asking for your attention and for your wonder, because so much can still be saved. Fear and fury are galvanic, but they will not suffice alone. Our competent and attentive love will have to be what fuels us. For what is the finest treasure? Life. It is everything that lives and the earth upon which they depend. Narwhal, spider, pangolin, swift, faulted and shining human. It calls out for our furious, more iron-willed treasuring.